Finding your nasib is tough enough, but finding love after divorce, that comes with its own complications. You're listening to Unsweet and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 30 of season two. In today's episode, we speak to Lisa Vogel about the collateral damage that comes with being divorced, learning how to open up to new relationships, and what our community can do to help change negative perception of divorced women. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. You guys, we have a really, really good episode for you today. Of course, you know it's all about post-divorce with our special guest, Lisa Vogel. And I feel like on this platform, we've talked about divorce before, but now we're going to go into just even finding a new relationship or getting into new relationships. And then what can our community actually do to help us out and just alleviate the negative perception of divorced women? Exactly. Like we mentioned in the episode, I think the first thing people say about someone when they're divorced is the fact that they're divorced. And it's like I said, wearing a scarlet letter, you know, your divorce should not be your identity I feel like it's like I'm introduced with my first name and then oh and she's divorced it's yeah, like it's, okay thank you I didn't ask for that introduction. so many other things <laughs> yeah exactly and I feel like women who have gone through a divorce it's truly the hardest but the most rewarding lesson uh that they've ever gone through I feel like that's how I that's my take on divorce and I feel like I've learned so much about myself and I know in the moments of any hardship that you're facing you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through but again at the end of the day, when you do get out of that hardship, you do overcome the obstacle. You learn so much more about yourself. So I have eight more lessons people can learn about themselves or even just in life in general. And the first one being important people come and go and that's okay. And that's very relatable to this episode. Extremely. I think Allah has a way of introducing people into our lives and then kind of taking other people out. And I feel like we have to be able to accept that kind of uh, merry-go-round of the people that we meet in our life. Basically. And you know what's so interesting? Because like sometimes it's the most important people that can become strangers. But then we forget that more often than not, strangers can actually become important people in your life. I again. love it, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's always, it's a cycle. It's really a cycle. But it's a, also a cycle of acceptance. I think that's what we need to be able to learn how to accept certain things. I know there's a lot of like loss of control in life right now. But accepting certain things in the way that they're happening... Honestly, it can really, really help you out in the long run. Absolutely. The next one, your diet isn't just what you eat. We've talked about this so many times, but it's also how you eat your food, how you're present in the moment. So it's like if your goal is to have a healthier mind, you have to start by removing all the junk from your diet. Yes. And just even life in general, anything that's junk in your life, remove it. Anything that's toxic, get it out of your life. I'm trying my best 
to eat healthier. I really am. I've never used to eat salads before in my life. Yeah. And now I actually crave salads. Yeah. So bizarre. I'm pretty sure you guys can find an episode where I was like, I can't stand people that eat grass for lunch. And <laughs> it's salad. <laughs> and now that's me. Do you want to go for yeah. the next one? Now the next one is you have to let people down to be happy. I think we're such Ooh. people pleasers yes. that we're constantly spreading ourselves way too thin in order to make the person next to us satisfied. Meanwhile, we are just like left high and dry and kind of empty. I want to surround myself with people that when I'm taking care of myself, it's it doesn't affect them. It doesn't let them down. They understand that, hey, you know what? Dunya's taking time for herself. You know what? She's going through things. Let her take care of herself. Like, I want those type of people. I want to surround myself with those type of people. You need to, yeah. You know, we discussed before, sometimes our parents, it's hard for them to understand that because, again, they came from a different generation. So, yes, maybe sometimes more often than not, we do let our parents down when we choose our own happiness and our own path and it looks completely different than what our parents expected so that's also a thing it's 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 a balancing act it's a, exactly and the next one is number four never let rejection lead to self-rejection Ooh, that's a yeah, good, that's a good one. one like let's say you're applying for a job you don't get the job don't take that rejection and put it on yourself as like okay I am not worthy of this job I am not good enough to get this job I think we need to learn how to take rejection in a way that like okay I didn't get this opportunity I'll get the next one because I know that I can and I know that I'm worth it they say like a person who like you know experienced rejection fears rejection I'm one of those people because I think you've already been in that point in your life and you don't want to go down that road again and then they say and a person that fears rejection tends to push or run away before they can be rejected oh yeah but it's like you can't predict rejection you no. can't always predict it I obviously we try to avoid it but yeah. don't always try to avoid it where you're not living your life to the fullest extent that you could possibly live it you know don't not put yourself out there because you're afraid of rejection that's yeah that's what I was trying to say but you know <laughs> me with my rants Next one, own your responsibilities, own your future. What do you think about Ooh, that? I think, yeah, absolutely. We need to be able to take responsibility for our trauma and our healing process. You know, I think we want to be the better version of ourselves. And in order to get there, we have to be in the driver's seat of our mental health and physical health. It's basically like a cycle. When you really think about it, like you can you can control your future if you let your present be controlled by your past. Ooh, yeah. Like every cycle in our lives, I feel like, yeah, at any point of our lives, we allow our past to control our present. Then our present controls our future. Like lose control for a bit. I know that sounds crazy, but allow yourself to lose control. Put your trust in Allah. I, we, yeah. we literally talked about this before. It's so important to really trust Allah. I think so much so we live our lives like so like in a tunnel vision and we think that everything falls on us but there are some things that you know just seek god control, talk to allah yeah. and, and accept back to acceptance really exactly do you want to get the next one yes number six is quality over quantity and i think as we grow up we're learning that we don't need a ton of friends we just need a group of small i love how you said that so dramatically right like i think we think the more friends we have or the more whatever we have the better it is but in reality a lot of times that's really not the case you don't need a lot of something in order to be happy and i'm going to combine the last two it's fairy tales will make you unhappy uh yeah we already realized yes. that like screw disney and then <laughs> next the fun is yours so if you want to enjoy your life don't subscribe to other people's definition of fun i yes. love that but just even other people's definition of their life journey in general you know what i mean you just have to focus on what makes you happy and i know sometimes that's hard because our focus is all over the place and recently i watched a social dilemma i think we'll talk about this at another yes, time yes we need to because i still need to watch i want to watch it on my flight yeah you should because it really it makes you scared of your phone where you don't want to even touch your phone but it's just oh my god it's a long story i gotta watch it you guys should watch the social dilemma it's pretty interesting 
But at the same time, we're still on social media. At the same it's time, we still check our notifications. Yeah, we're probably not making sense right now if you guys didn't watch The Social Dilemma, but please watch it and you'll understand what we're saying. But I think we're ready to dive into this week's episode. Make sure you guys stick around for our unfiltered afterthoughts. Um, it's going to be really good. Let's do it. Okay, we have the best guest possible to talk about the D word, divorce. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I only said that because I want everybody to hear Lisa's laugh because it's so contagious. She's so good. I was not expecting that intro. <laughs> I, I had to say it because I was like, I've always wanted to say the D word. Oh like, my God. So dramatically. But I want this to be a lighthearted conversation, even though it's about a topic that's, you know, I guess taboo or whatever you want to yeah, say. Yeah. And, and you know, taboo to talk about really no, sure yeah. no not at all and i know we had you on the first time the our first season we loved you so much we brought you back on season two and i feel like you don't need an introductions but why don't you go and introduce yourself to the people who have been living under the rock for many many years and don't know who you are the rock living under a I rock am- <laughs> I am not that big person for <laughs> humble. I own a fashion brand, Verona Collection. Uh, so that's what I do in my day job. I also do a lot of charity work. I'm a single mom, divorced. What we're going to talk about, I speak out against domestic violence. I'm an advocate to speak out against domestic violence. So that's really like the biggest part of me and my advocacy. Honestly, Lisa, that doesn't go unnoticed because it takes a lot of courage. And I, I'm not saying this just lightly. It, it really does take a lot of courage to speak about a situation that you found yourself in with a partner who, you know, you still know and you have kids with. It's not easy. And I think people think that, oh, she can go on a stage and talk about this. She's amazing, stuff like that. You are. But it's not easy to just like unveil everything that you've gone through. And not only that, but every time you speak, you meet more and more and more women who come and and confide in you and tell you that I'm going through the same thing. Like, what can I do? It's a lot of hard work. It doesn't go unnoticed. And we truly appreciate you here at this podcast. And I think a lot of people truly appreciate you. And it's like, you never want to be the face of just being a domestic violence survivor. But again, if you're not going to talk about it, then who is? If you're not going to be an advocate against it, then who is? So this is going to be a really important conversation. We're going to talk about a lot of things, just even just being a woman post-divorce and how you've been just navigating life. And I kind of want to talk about the collateral damage of being a divorced woman. And this is something people don't often bring up. And I feel like I felt this myself. Uh, Women are usually seen as the source of the divorce. As like their value has decreased based on Mm -hmm. their, and even, even women that haven't been married at a certain age, like everybody like value has been dictated based on their relationship status. And it's like, this should not like dictate a woman's or man's worth. And it's just disgusting. And I, I, I think we thought about like coming on about talking about this topic when I had like had it, you know, I speak out about domestic violence all the time. I think that's pretty prevalent, but I never really like spoke out about how women especially are treated if you're a divorcee. And I've had like proposals and immediately it's unfortunate. It's the mother-in-law that will automatically not even, not even know my name or even know who I am. She automatically will reject it. And especially because I'm a divorcee with children and it's heartbreaking as a convert, 
yes, we always talk about like, oh, you can't, you know, there's Islam and then there's Muslims and know the difference. Right. But it's like, what are we as like, what are we doing as Muslims if we don't care about actually acting like we're Muslim, like we should be acting like we're Muslims. You know, it's like, this should not be a conversation that needs to be had if we really want to truly act like we're Muslim. We act like we're Muslim when it's convenient, but then we don't actually follow Islamic principles. Like we're quick to label ourselves as Muslim. We we love that. But then it's like, how about acting like one so that you don't even have to say you're Muslim, that people can already see that like you're a really good person. Exactly. You shouldn't yes. have to tell people you're Muslim. It should be coming out in your actions, whether that's being polite and kind and compassionate to like your neighbor or if it's actually following the Sunnah or following Islamic principles. So it's like I am I am actually disgusted in the, in the way that we treat divorced women and they don't like men are not held to the same standard or same stigma. It's it's just a fact and I'm going to call it like it is. The minute a man's divorced, it's like as if he had never been married and he's completely, you know, prime uh, marriage material. But if a woman's divorced, uh, it must have been her fault first and foremost. You know, there's often the blaming on the woman. And then all of a sudden she's no longer worth uh, marriage material. Absolutely. And going back to talking about being a decent Muslim and following the ways of Islam, all but one of Prophet Muhammad's wives were divorcees. And I feel like that divorce or widow. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that says a lot like your son is not better than Prophet Muhammad. He can marry a divorced lady or a widowed lady because I mean, if we're really following the way of Islam, it should be normalized. You know, I don't think it's more so the guys that are against it it's like what you said lisa it's the, the family, people that yeah. are surrounding him it's his family it's his own mom sometimes and this isn't generally speaking i mean this is situations that you found yourself in you know what i mean so these are actually these aren't like, one-off situations yeah this is on it's rare that you find someone that doesn't just automatically judge you and even in a case of mine where it's very clear i'm certainly not going to act like i am perfect but it's very clear who was the issue in my marriage and there's going to be a lot of those cases but yet the woman is still being spoken to or or treated like she's not worth as much you know it's kind of like wearing a scarlet letter like that's you're branded as divorce and that's all people really see unfortunately i just feel like when it you know because i felt this my myself too where it's like you get the divorce and then like certain people in your family extended family will tell you like i mean you were only married for a year you couldn't even handle a little bit more you couldn't fight it you couldn't like i just feel like no one knows how much you try to salvage a marriage even one that could have had abuse in it which is so sad because again we come from a society in a community where we don't talk about these things or we kind of normalize it and it's like well what did you do wrong you're just supposed to be quiet and and put up with it exactly and i i just feel like it's to the point where a divorced woman almost regrets leaving her abuser or her husband who is just horrible to her honestly and it's just after she gets a divorce she's thrown back into a society that kind of looks down at her and sees her as just like a failure and it's really really sad and this is not just in our community i feel like it's it spans across all communities when it comes to divorced women and how we're viewed and it's like you're so excited about getting married you send out the save to date card save the date cards assuming that your marriage comes with no end date and you don't plan this so yeah. imagine her having to go through a divorce which is the worst thing and the most traumatic experience one of the most traumatic experiences there is out there 
is divorced. And then she is facing a society, a community that tells her, well, what did you do wrong? And why couldn't you save this relationship? Instead of being compassionate and concerned about like, I'm so sorry you went through that and being there, people are quick to judge and then see you differently. And it's just like, it's disgusting. And I have a lot of friends that have been married twice. And I actually, like I was at the spa yesterday and I was, and they weren't Muslim. And I hear hear this conversation and I go to these ladies like all the time. So we always, they kind of know my problems. And I like, we always talk about like everything, right? Cause like, I feel like when they're not, you're not talking to a Muslim, you can be like more open about like what's going on. (laughs) She knows, she knows my business. And these ladies were talking about a woman. They're like, hasn't that guy learned his lesson? That woman has been married twice. And these are women and these aren't Muslims. So it's, it happens in other communities. And I was like, I do not agree with that. I don't agree with that. And like when you when women have been married more than once and divorced, uh, there's even a bigger stigma. And I know a lot of amazing women who just unfortunately have found themselves, unfortunately, especially in the case of domestic violence. And I know divorce like affects a lot of other women that doesn't have to have had that serious of a case. You know, he could have just been a really, really bad husband. But I found that especially with like women who like suffered abuse tend to go into abusive relationships again, and they fall into a trap. And when that has happened, it, it does take a lot of, it takes a lot of strength and healing to like, be able to learn to pick the right partners. But immediately, they're going to judge the woman. Like, we're so quick to judge people and it, never ever thinking, well, maybe they actually do pick the wrong people. You know what I mean? And it is it truly is not them, but they automatically will say it must be her. We're going to talk about healthy relationships in a bit, but that's such a great point, Lisa, because we don't talk about this so often. These women are, again, left to make the same decision over and over again. It's like almost now a pattern, a behavior that they can't get themselves out of because they're not seeking the right help that they need or they don't have the right support. You know what I mean? Or they haven't healed. Yeah, they haven't healed. And so like it's familiar. You almost like not intentionally, like the minute they are good in one aspect, they're like, well, he treats me and supports me good and this you know what I mean but he's like controlling and possessive and jealous and in this aspect and because you've been a part of these patterns you tend to think it's normal and you find yourself the same relationship and so uh, when she finally gets out of it you know again they blame the woman and I wonder how many women especially when it comes to second marriages stick it out and stay because again that stigma of being divorced twice or three times is so apparent it's so there so they kind of just they feel stuck in that situation I know somebody personally yeah. like they're like that. afraid to say that because it's like it's this imagine the stigma of divorcees but then being divorced twice or three times or you know and I feel like you know what's so sad this is but then again maybe this is just me assuming because I haven't married again but I feel like divorcees who marry again I feel like they put up with more in their in this second marriage because they're afraid of what society is going to say that oh my god here she goes again divorcing again doesn't she isn't she a little bit shy you know like marry these guys and leave them again it's like how about you ask her why she's leaving you know again I want to put this disclaimer out there and it's like this can go both ways but this is a podcast more so aimed at women so again like this could happen to men too you know what I mean nobody's perfect but again this podcast is aimed at women and it's just like this is one of the things like it's just like it's making me think of people that I know in my personal life who are in their second marriages and I will be the first to say their second marriages are not the greatest I know this is because it's coming from their own mouths and it's like they're putting up with so much that when you look at their first marriage it's like okay you you weren't dealing with all of this the first time why are you sticking this out like shouldn't you know your worth 
find out, but it's like you don't. You don't because you don't have the proper resources. Exactly. You don't because your community is not pushing you up the way that they should be. I feel like, you know, people who get divorced and then they get married and then problems arise again. They're like, oh, that gossip that we heard that we dismissed that first time. Oh, it has to be true because it's happening again. Or it could exactly. be in-laws. It could be in-laws all of a sudden becoming friends with one another. Like, oh, see, well, this is what we went through with her. And now you guys are going through it. Like, I hate the fact that when it comes to you being a divorcee, it becomes like a label. Like you said, it's like a yeah. scarlet letter on you. Because there was a point where I had to sit down with my mom where like, I remember when I was, you know, I was newly divorced and stuff like that I was going to weddings and they would come to my mom like you know we're interested in your daughter and blah 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 and my mom the first thing she'd blurt out is well she's a divorcee and I'm like why do you why do you say that she's like well so they know so they don't waste like the, their time so they know ahead of and time. again like you were saying it's about this being a you know it doesn't happen to men it, it happens to men too that's for sure but the conversation is not about does it happen to men also it's that the stigma is mainly on the women and that's anyone that tries to deny it and argue it they're just not facing the facts honestly and even a case of the man being the huge problem in the marriage you know he's cheating he's drinking he's like going out partying all of that can be true and yet she somehow carries the weight of the divorcee woman like they'll ask like why did he resort to drinking or going out why is he the one staying out till 2 a.m you must not be doing your duties fulfilling your duties as a wife imagine a wife already dealing with her husband not coming home till like 2 3 a.m imagine her already having to deal with him drinking and and doing things that he shouldn't be doing and on top of it all like she has people around her telling her well what are you lacking and that he is not finding happiness within your home. That's hard. That's really hard to swallow. I literally had people tell me, well, I've been told a lot of different things. <laughs> one, it was one, one person told me I must be saying this to help sell my clothing. Oh my uh, and yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and it's like, I was already in Macy's at that point when I finally came out. And, and number two, I've been told that it must have been the kind of wife I was. And then I was also told straight to my face that I'm lying. And these are not one-off situations. This is me who has no skin in the game. There was no reason or benefit for me to take this huge conversation upon myself. Uh, but yet, even with all that, I was still told I'm I'm lying or it must have been the kind of woman I, you know, wife I was. And I'm like, if this is being told to me, it's going to be told to everybody else, you know? It, it's hard. And I think like, and especially like right now, like Lisa, you're open about like, yeah, you're, you want to find a spouse. You're, you don't need a spouse, but you're open to finding somebody that you want to like, you know, try this whole marriage thing again with and inshallah khair and whatnot. But do you feel like the women of our community are equally to blame for this negative like rhetoric of divorced women? Is that where you're getting majority of like the negative things being said about you and to you? Yeah, I do. I, I really, really do. I actually would say it's the majority women who one talk about it and then it, the mother-in-laws especially you know what I mean who automatically like just deny it I've been I can't even tell you how many times it's been denied where like the and we're doing it in the proper way where the man goes to his family the Islamic way and saying hey I'm really interested in this girl here's why x y and z and they won't, don't even want to hear it and then it put, just puts unnecessary stress on the potential relationship Relationship. Regardless of like how much the guy wants to fight it, there's still going to be a certain amount of programming in the way he thinks if that's being shoved down his throat all his life. You know what I mean? So I do think that I've 
kind of dodged several bullets. You know what I mean? If that's the kind of family that I'd be marrying into and that close minded to where they don't even know if I pray. They don't know if I'm a good person. They don't know if I'd be a wonderful mother. They don't know if I would be an amazing, you know, partner and spouse. Like none of those questions were asked. It was just she's either older because uh, I've, I've had a lot of guys that were younger than me show interest and then I'm divorced and with children. I feel like you can choose your spouse, but it's unfortunate that you can't choose your in-laws that come <laughs> along with your spouse. And that's like the unfortunate yeah. part. And it's like, I never want to be, I never want to find myself, inshallah, in a marriage where I have a spouse who has to kind of fight for me and then fight with this family and go back and forth. It's I don't want that. Yeah. It's stressful. I don't want to live the rest of my life where I feel like he has to choose me or them. Me or, like, I don't, I don't want that. And I don't want somebody that's in turmoil with their family. Like, it'll, nothing will ever be okay. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's not that end all be all I know a lot of people are in relationships and marriages like that but it's just like that makes things 10 times harder and I think like you said if he's raised in a family that thinks that way I feel like some part of him will always have that little thing even if it's not like up front and center it's still going to be there you know what I mean if his family's telling his parents are telling him that's just the way he was born and I feel like sometimes it's unfortunate that you could have such a perfect partner and then that one thing can be the end all be all you know what I hate the most is when people pick divorced women like don't yeah. pity us don't think you're doing us a favor oh, by yes, marrying yes. us especially if it's like the guy's never been married and then he's marrying a girl who's been divorced I yeah feel like, it's like oh you you're saved not doing my anyone life. a favor yeah <laughs> or you can assume that she wants to get remarried or like you know the same stigma goes for women that haven't been married at a certain age like maybe she is actually happy not mm. being married you know what I mean so stop trying to throw like men in her face 24 7 <laughs> maybe she's happy the way she she wants to not focus on a lifelong, you know, she wants to focus on her career. Maybe this is what she wants, you know, but I have to throw in a topic because it's like, I am so tired of men throwing second wife proposals at me. And my first question is like, oh, does God. your wife know you're contacting me? That is my first question. And I'm not going to judge people because it's like, if it works in some cases, right, I'll never be okay with it. So yeah. I like, like Same. no, but it's like, no, it, and my first question is, does your wife know you're contacting me is the first and foremost what I want to know, because I will never disrespect another woman ever. But number two, it's like they automatically think that you are now the, the candidate as a single mom, especially to be a second wife. Like you are like the candidate. You know what? Yeah. I understand from our prophet, peace be upon him, those days, I understand when he would do it. But these days, I don't know if people are doing it for the right reasons. I don't know. They are not doing it for the right I have never... I've only seen one man that actually can, that's done it right. I have very rarely seen it actually practiced in the way it's supposed to be practiced. And again, I would never be okay with it. <laughs> so, But what I have seen is that there is the main wife. She has the house. She has the kids. She has the car. She has the family life. And then there's a side chick. I'm sorry. That's the way. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so true. It's so true. Like that's how it's practiced. I have not seen it practiced any other way. So it's like, don't talk to me and tell me that you're doing it because it's the sunnah, you know? And I don't want you to get good deeds on my behalf. I mean, look, that's how I'm saying, but look, I feel like, what are you trying to gain here? Good deeds just for yourself because you're saving a, a divorced mom? No, like, I don't like automatically that. Saving, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. I just hate the idea of a woman that's divorced being pitied. And then on top of it all, they even pity you 10 times more because you have kids. Like, Michelle, you're an incredible mom, Lisa. Like, incredible in every aspect. So it's like, you definitely,
definitely don't need saving. You don't need to get married, but is it nice to have a spouse to no, live the course. rest of your life with? Well, you know? not even that. I mean, my mom's divorced. She's 49. And yeah. I'm like, mom, get married. She's like, no way. I'm like, why Your not? mom says no way right away because of what society is going to Especially because yeah. we're from the beat up. We, oh, my God. Yeah. We like, I'm like, if you find someone, she's like, no way, never. And I'm like, why? Like, why not? Like, so your mom nice. is against getting remarried? Not against. She just feels like she she's like past that. She's like, I'm fine on my own. Like, she's satisfied the way she's living her life. Well, more power to her. Yeah, That's but awesome. like, she's not against other people but she just feels like she's content she has her four kids she's she has her house like she's fine like in herself her but personally. does she think like after so many years like would she have been okay with it if our society I think she just, wasn't so against maybe, women being maybe remarried? but i just feel like she's just comfortable and she's like she put up with a marriage for like 24 years yeah. i feel like it was kind of just like okay um let me that's a long invest time. in myself yeah yeah that is yeah. And, and that's the thing lisa you did mention like just because we're divorced doesn't mean we want to get married right, right away, away like, yeah. i have to sit down with my mom and tell her like can i breathe like for five minutes maybe five days can yeah. i just like breathe without like having a proposal yeah. being forcefully sent to my way just to show like oh my daughter's fine she can get married like because you know it's, it's like everybody wants to save the divorcee everybody or everybody wants to show like oh she can get married in spite of the person she just divorced like why she she can be in a good marriage and stuff it's like no i can i just live and breathe for myself for just a little bit i mean five years later <laughs> i think that's still good <laughs> enough time but i just feel like when it comes to like a divorced woman looking for marriage i feel like like the pool like this huge pool becomes like shrunk to a like a small puddle do you feel that way where it's like your options are now kind of limited because of all these things like stacked up against you according to society according to our community I think it is again going back to those that quote unquote approve the marriage because I've had and I like that here's the thing like I am not going to discriminate against a guy on his race, on his age, on his education level. Well, I would like to have an intelligent conversation with the guy, but you know what I mean? But on paper, he may not have a degree or his job status or like, is has he been married or has kids? Those things don't matter to me. What matters to me is, do you pray? Are you a good person? Will you be a good role model to my children? Will you, do we have a connection? Do we have loyalty in today? Because like, I find loyalty very difficult to find. Those are the things that matter to me. It doesn't matter to me on what is your job title. I could care. In fact, if you're a doctor, it's probably going against what I want because you're never yeah. going to be home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or if you've been divorced or with kids or not, those things don't matter. Or if you're younger or older, you know, those things don't matter to me. So as far as like my pool and like maybe guys like approaching me, it hasn't necessarily shrunk, but it's then boom, it shrinks when the mom's against it or the family's against it, you know, in that case, yeah, then it becomes super tiny because everyone only thinks that if you're divorced, you need to marry another divorcee. If you're divorced with children, they should marry another divorce with children, you know, and it shouldn't be like that. So it, it should be based on like, do you connect? Do you have the same values? Are you guys at the same level, like Islamically, or even one above a little, you know, a little bit more? Uh, those are the things that should matter. These are real conversations. These are things that we've honestly heard in passing, at gatherings and whatnot. This isn't stuff like we're literally making up. But when it comes to you, Lisa, when did you think that you were finally ready to meet somebody? Like, when did you find it where, like, I can trust myself to find the right spouse? Because sometimes, honestly, like, the impacts and the effects of our previous marriage and divorce can really weigh us down. It could really, like, weigh us down to the point where, I, yeah, like you said, you're not you're not thinking with a clear mind. You're not entering a relationship with a, with a clear mind. So it's like, when did you feel like you were ready to settle down again, to find somebody again? So I'm going to keep it real like I always do. Yes, <laughs> like, that's and why I, I love you. Like, I have no problem... 
I have no problem being vulnerable. So my issue was after I got out of abusive relationship and I, I, like many other women who were in abusive, immediately fell back into relationships, relationship after relationship. And in your mind, you're like, well, no, he's a great guy because you're comparing it from like the worst possible marriage. So when you enter a relationship, you think it's like great because it's like, He's not abusing me. That's so sad. At least, hand on my heart, alhamdulillah, and Allah is my witness. Every guy that I ever talked to was for the purpose of marriage. So, like, I have that where my conscience is clear. But when I would go into uh, talking to a guy, it was like, it was one after another. You know what I mean? As far as, like, talking to one guy, it didn't work. And then next, it didn't work. And, um... And then I had to recognize for me that it became a pattern of choosing the same type of men. So some women may go where they don't want any type of relationship at all. You know what I mean? I found myself choosing the same kind of guys over and over again until I had to really take a hardcore look at myself. And I'm like, why am I choosing these men? Like, why, why are these men my choices? And then I recognized that I had to heal, that I had to recognize my worth and my value. Once I did that, the type of men that I spoke to for marriage completely changed and they became healthy relationships. Like, so there's been, there's definitely been some great guys that I spoke to uh, for marriage and it just didn't work, not because they're not a good person. Uh, it just didn't, like the situation didn't work or like we didn't have that like true connection. And so we were like, okay, this isn't going to work. You know, whatever the reason was, there has been, once I recognized that I did start to choose the right type of men, you know? So it's all like a work in progress, basically. Once you leave a relationship, I mean, I know it's hard to judge from an outsider who's never been in that situation, but I would find it hard to jump right away into a new one because like you said, you need to heal. You need to give yourself some time to process what you've just been through and also figure out, okay, what are some red flags? What can I look out for? You can't really choose a partner when you're not fully healed. Do you know what I mean? Does it's like you still yeah. have blinders on and it's like you're using your past marriage, which is the worst example. I'm generally that's speaking, not Lisa, but that's, yeah, you're using that as a standard. Like yes. as long as I am higher above that, even just a few notches, it's good. That, that should never be the standard. That was a marriage that should have never even happened. But obviously we don't know. We can't predict the future of who somebody is. Like a lot of women do that. And that's why it's so vital for you to be lonely for a small period of time time however long you need it's okay to be lonely and I think we're in a society that pushes us to be in a marriage and I'm talking about just in general just the world like it pushes us to just be in a relationship be in a marriage you're single what there's something wrong with you or like how can you be single there's nothing wrong with you it's just like I don't want my value based upon what relationship I'm in if I'm even in one like you know what I mean so I think it's like we need to romanticize the idea of being lonely and being okay with being lonely for a short period of time having a relationship with yourself like generally having a real relationship with yourself and you know what you're probably not even the best person to have relationship with but that means you have to assess yourself and see how much work that needs to be done before you go and introduce yourself to somebody and I think a lot of us women like yeah we want to show like yeah we're worthy of being in a relationship so let me you know oh this guy's trying to talk to me I'm going to talk to him and see what's up but it's like did you even like you said Zaina did you even process what you just came out of like you came out of an abusive 
abusive marriage or what, whatever type of marriage you came out of, you just came out of that. That's that's traumatic. That's not something that's yeah. a normal thing that everybody goes through. We don't all yeah. go through yeah. that. And I think when you get out of a divorce, when you leave a relationship, you're not just losing a spouse. There's so much more that you're walking away from. So really take that time, I would think, to... It's trauma. To, it's trauma, exactly. It's trauma. It really does live within you if you don't seek the help that you need and seek some professional help to like talk through it because you know what you can say so much to your friends to your family and whatnot but if they didn't go through what you went through there's only so much that they can help you out with nobody yeah no one knows what you went through I only I truly believe that only other survivors can like really get it you know what I mean people and that doesn't mean that people don't care just as much you know what I mean but they do not understand the anxiety that comes with it the like you know just holding on to that trauma and just it lives with you until you like truly face it you know of what you and processed what you went through and marriage in general you guys like it's not just about falling in love with somebody and going on dates and having a home and no it's it's more than that look you're literally signing up to live with this person for the rest of your life and there's a lot of things that you're going to go through and I think we only look at the romance aspect of marriage like what about beyond that look you're going to have issues you're going to have so much you guys are going to deal with especially if you're trying to sign up for this marriage for the long term obviously that's everybody's goal but it's like there's a lot of things that we don't talk about and assess before we enter a marriage with somebody like it's it's kind of hard like we don't is this person going to be somebody who has your back when you're at your lowest of low like is this person going to really be there for you like you have to really look at this person and don't don't say well I love him but I I I want a spouse that doesn't come with a but I mean you should have a but You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to say it's like, and the thing is, you're not going to find the perfect spouse because guess yeah. what? Like, they don't exist. No, like, That's you're not perfect. Too. Like, people yeah. expect perfection. It's like, we shouldn't be leaving relationships and marriages over the smallest things. And people do. That is a, that is a whole nother conversation. We should be like looking to fix it. If it's like, there's disagreements and there's little small arguments that's going to happen. You should stay loyal and you should like work through that. You should not put up with abuse. You should not put up with cheating. You should not put up with like emotional abuse too is, is the same thing, if not worse uh, than physical abuse. I can say that wholeheartedly that someone who has been physically abused and emotionally abused emotional is way more um I don't want to say use the word worse because obviously like but it has a longer effect on you but going back to like you know when I realized like I kept choosing the wrong partners and how I had to like actually heal what I recommend for anybody is is that yes majority of people because we spoke about some people genuinely maybe not want to be married but majority of people do they everybody wants that you know a lot of people want that extra love and you know that partner but I found that I need to be happy single I need to be happy with my career and with my friends around me and my circle you know that I hang out with I need to be happy there I can say alhamdulillah wholeheartedly I am a hundred percent there. Like I'm 10 times happier than I ever was, you know, and I'm not married, you know? So it's like, I feel like that is kind of the kicker to like where, if you are ready to be married, you have to be happy as you are now, you know, with everything you have around you. And if you're not there yet, you're probably not going, because we tend to seek and try to want happiness from the other person. Yes. They are human and we cannot get happiness from somebody else. We sh- they should not be our codependent on how we define if we're happy or not. And that's when I feel like people tend to go into the same type of patterns and choosing the wrong people because they see- seek these people as their source of happiness. 
Exactly. Absolutely. I feel like externally we expect love and we expect that completion to come from other people. But how can we expect someone to complete us when we don't know what pieces we need to be complete? You know what I mean? You have to do the work. And I mean, even girls who haven't been married yet are trying to get married. Take that time to figure out what makes you happy and then try to find someone who cannot com- not complete you, but just be your partner. Compliment. Not- exactly. You know, they're supposed to complete half your D, not you as a person. Yeah. Like you're still a whole being. You're not just like a half person wandering this dunya. <laughs> I mean, like you're a full being. You should find somebody that just like, you know, ha- has the same values as you. And like, honestly, values are super important. I think I feel like look never find yourself in a desperate place to want to get married that you kind of don't care if they have the if they have the values that you want in them in that person like I think values are super important like they have to have values they have to have morals I think Dean is super important to a certain extent like I don't want you to be so crazy religious I want you to know your faith as much as I know my faith and do I want him to be better in in Islam than I am or being a better Muslim than I am of course because I want to get to that point too you know what I mean I want somebody to influence me in that way but it's just like and then even on the flip side when it comes to just like domestic violence and dealing with that and it's like it's i read a statistic that said like one out of three women face domestic violence that's very scary yeah that statistic may be quote-unquote american but unfortunately and i don't like stating this that often because i don't reiterate a stereotype you know within the but it's actually higher within the muslim community so people that would say oh that's that's an american no no our statistics are higher and, and it goes unrecorded most of the time because a lot of people kind of keep it on the hush-hush and stuff like that, which is really sad. But how about like you in your in, in your situation, Lisa? Do you ever fear that you'd come across somebody that has that tendency? Like, are you able to tell if somebody is abusive? Because honestly, I have this fear of like people genuinely changing after marriage. And I, I mean, everybody has their situation. And I feel like coming from my situation, I feel like that's what happened. Like people really change after marriage. I feel like I have a doctorate's degree in this now. Like I one, like I've just gotten to see red flags, but the biggest thing is like for me that all of a, they don't trust you and you've given them no reason not to trust you. Like they just, uh, that's one thing where they just like they question your every word. So like, as far as like red flags, like, abuse is two things it's power and control and there's nothing else about it like that is the hundred that is the definition of abuse whether they act out in physical violence emotional financial whatever because people are very people in the muslim community are financially abused that all of a sudden the, the man wants to control every single dollar you spend that is a form of abuse i don't care what you say i'm not saying it's okay to go out and just spend lavishly that's different if you think that's okay that's not but where they literally follow your every move on what you purchase it comes down to power and control you should be able to be yourself and who you are with compromises we need to always understand that compromises are okay and healthy but it's like are you compromising on who you are to be in this relationship so it comes down to power and control those two things so i look for things like uh, do they not trust me over anything uh are they quick to anger is like if I were just to give you two things out of the bat, those would be the two things. Are they quick to get angry? How do they handle their anger? Anger is okay. We all get angry, but how are we handling it? Do we come and talk about it? Do we uh, do we say, I don't like what you did. I don't like this, X, Y, and Z. Here's why. This is what it made me feel. You know what I mean? Like you sh- People should be able to have conversations about what they did not like and be able to handle it, like mature adults. 
Exactly. Do you feel like as a convert, Lisa, just in your specific situation, do you feel like you lack the resources to get married? Do you feel like sometimes you're alone in this because it's hard for other people to relate since you are a convert? So it's not like only that you're divorced and you have kids, but some people even have a stigma against converts. Oh, well, she wasn't born Muslim or she doesn't come from the same cultural background as us and stuff like that. Have you even faced that type of negative like rhetoric too? Um, a little bit in the sense of she's not Palestinian, she's not Afghan, she's not, you know what I mean? So like, they literally will have like, I've, I've really noticed it. That's like, you know, if she's not X, Y, and Z, that they have that issue. I guess for me, I'm a little bit more careful now on who I talk to and who I allow into my life. And um, I have a little bit more of a public, you know, platform that I'm more careful on who I talk to. So I guess that makes it harder for me in that regard. And I don't have a family looking for me like other families do where they're going to be out just like on the hunt for, you know, for you to espouse like my family. It's like, you know, straight Americans. It's like, uh, you should be living together for five years before you get married. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, completely like opposite way of thinking. So it's, I definitely don't have that where I have like a family like looking for me and they don't understand. They respect it. I'm to that where I feel blessed is that I have a lot of really great friends around me that are like, almost more like you need to do background checks. I'm like, that's so invasive. Like yeah. I'm the one that's like, and that's like, like almost like against it. Cause I'm like, that's so like, I don't know. But like all of my born Muslim friends are like wanting to know every little detail about the dude before I talk to him. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. so true. Like when it comes to like finding a spouse and whatnot, like I think it's harder for divorced women with kids because not only do you have to find yourself being compatible with them it's now your kids like what if your kids are not compatible with this person what if they say oh i'm for a woman that has kids i'm totally okay with that but then when they meet your kids they're actually there's no there's no no connection yeah yeah, they're they're not they're not doing their effort on their end to connect with your kids and stuff like that like doesn't that make things even harder for you just being a divorced woman with kids too yeah because it's so it like is so important to me because my boys are my world you know what I mean? And like, and I'm like, if you don't know how to like play with my kids, like it's not going to work. I'm not expecting them to replace their father. And regardless of like how he was as a, as a husband, I'm still going to respect him as that's the father. It plays a difficult task to me because without bad mouthing their dad, which is what I'm not going to do, I will still give him that respect. And so this man has to be mature enough to come in and say, I'm not trying to replace his father, but I am going to be a great role model. You know what I mean? How do you have these conversations with your kids, Lisa? Like, let's just say you met somebody and they end up being amazing. You're compatible with them. How do you have now this conversation with your kids? Because they're still young enough to not kind of fully understand what's going on. Or do you think they're old enough to understand? What do you think? They don't kind of. I've only allowed two guys to ever meet my kids. I actually don't let anybody meet my kids um, unless I know it's very serious. So one one guy at the masjid, by like default, he met my kids because we were there at an event and he wanted oh. he was interested in me. <laughs> but I was like, but so that that didn't count to me because we were like there and I was like I could just automatically just see how he was interacting with my kids. I was like, no, I'm sorry, we're I'm not wow. interested. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but I actually don't let my kids meet the guys because I don't want, um, unless I know it's like, again, very serious because I don't want men coming in and out of their lives. And it's not like I'm just going around dating a bunch of people. You know, we always will we'll talk at the very beginning, like to see if it's, and then you obviously you cut it immediately. So I don't want to have that conversation with the kids until it's like, 
100%. Their, yeah, yeah. My kids are young, so they don't understand. They're five and six. You know what I mean? So for them, it's more a case of I don't want them getting attached to people and then they're then they're not in my life anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, because we chose not to get married or something or move forward. So, But I will obviously have it in a way that they understand, you know, and that it, yeah, I have to be sensitive to transitions for them. So That's actually exactly what I was going to say. You know, when you go through talking to someone and then you end it, you have to go through that breakup. I don't think your kids should have to go through that as well. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. yeah. That, that's such a good point. I want to talk about, well, first off, like, thank you so much, Lisa, for talking about that. I just want people to see uh, a divorced woman's perspective for once and for to allow us to talk about our own experience and what we've gone through and how we feel and how what next steps we're taking. Because I feel like a lot of people speak on our behalf and they assume a lot on our behalf and stuff like that. And lastly, we just don't want to be pitied. Like we're still women that are doing things on our own for our own good and whatnot. So it's not like we need marriage. But of course, course it's it's nice to get married and find your better half and whatnot but I want to talk about our community's next steps because I feel like I want there to be more conversation not just us in small rooms with our friends and stuff like that in small gatherings I want this to be a global conversation which it's already been happening and you've been already doing this which is really incredible but I just feel like if our and I don't want to put this pressure on our community leaders and our imams because they're incredible look you know they're, they're trying their best they're doing as much work as they can because I just don't want to throw every possible problem in our community on our community leaders like you know what I mean that's not what they really signed up for and there's only so much that people can do but I just feel personally that if our community leaders began to kind of talk about these conversations or had these conversations more often, it would change the perception of divorced women. Because the majority of our elders are night and day in the masajid. They're always in the jam and they really like hold our community leaders to such a high degree that whatever they say, they really do kind of believe them and understand them and like want to make them happy. But it's like, obviously you should do things for the sake of Allah and not a human being. But it's like, what are your thoughts on just like our community leaders kind of like introducing these conversations a little bit more in community gatherings and talking about divorced women and talking about how we should truly treat them and how we should welcome them back into society and how we can even help them ease back into society because a lot of them again yeah we're financially abused as well they're they're leaving a marriage with zero dollars in their pockets what are we as a community doing and it's often because sometimes they just want to just get out and they like literally will like make sure that the woman doesn't get anything you know I can't imagine what it is to be in that position as an imam and like have to deal with everything from like just everyone pours their problems out to them and I I can't imagine like how just emotionally draining that is because they are human just like we are but I literally was like listening to the khutbah yesterday in the masjid and I'm just I literally was thinking to myself I was like why can we not talk about real issues in the community literally it's not going to kill you to talk about things that are super relevant i have never heard a navy mom talking at minimum one of three women in their room listening has been abused okay a huge portion of marriages the man and it happens with women too are cheating. Like, let's stop pretending. And they hear about it because they go to the imams for problems. You know what I mean? Let's stop pretending that these are not issues in our community. Like, we need to hear all of the stories uh, in the Quran. Those are all important. Like, that is something we need to continue to hear, right? In, in a khutbah. But we also need to hear about real issues and how we need to tackle them as a community. 
I feel like, you know, when we when we start having these conversations a little bit more, we start even having them in our households too. And it gives power to women. I mean, are we fearful of giving power to women? Is that what it is? Like we don't want the woman to think that she's right and she can go and seek divorce and seek this and that. What I'm trying to convey is I, I feel like when you choose divorce, you're kind of almost looked down upon, but you have to understand that divorce was made halal. Yes, uh, people will throw in your face like it's the one halal thing that Allah hates the most, but it's because like- Allah also hates oppression. Yes. People People don't talk about exactly. that. A lot also hates oppression. Obviously, no one wants to get divorced. No one's sitting here advocating for people to be divorced. But I am telling you, you are not supposed to be putting up with abuse and you are supposed to be standing up against it. That's also what Islam teaches. So we we never talk about that. Everyone wants to talk about like it's frowned upon. Yes, we know it's frowned upon. So maybe the man shouldn't be cheating. Maybe the man shouldn't be abusing her if it's frowned upon. <laughs> I just want to say that's what I wanted to say, but obviously Lisa could say it better than me. Because I always it, it's like thrown back in your face. Like, well, it's the most hated halal well, thing. So, it's like, yeah, so like, maybe he should have been faithful. Yeah. Exactly. That's what he should have been doing. And again, like I don't want to act like I please the people who are listening, I shouldn't act like women don't do it too. It women obviously like women aren't perfect either. It happens from a, a female's person, you know. Women do it also. This isn't just to say that women are the ones that just face all of this, but this is a woman-led podcast. If there's male-led podcasts out there and there's males that have suffered trauma, please talk about it. Literally talk about it because I do think guys need a platform as well. And I Absolutely, think it's important yeah. to hear both sides and stuff like that. Basically, though, women are subject to it, majority. It is difficult. Like, let's say I put a post on domestic violence. They're like, but it happens to men too. We know that. But it's like, you know, men unfortunately hold a position of power financially and, and then women are often abused uh, with their rights. So it's like, I have not yet seen a lot of men being stripped of their rights. I've seen it mainly in women. So that's the conversation. Until society shifts their perspective and is fair to uh, to both parties in whatever divorce and marriage that occurs, then okay. Like, but at, at this point, it's very unfair towards them. Like, we get the short end of the stick whenever we face these issues in our lives. What were you gonna say, Zaina? Well, I'm I'm thinking back to like you know going back to our mosque and our faith leaders. I went to Saturday school almost every Saturday for like years, and you know we talked about different things, different topics every Saturday, but we never really talked about marriage. We never really talked about marriage in Islam and what we should be looking for. You know what I mean? Like I went every single Saturday and never did we talk about how Prophet Muhammad treated his wives or the value that Muslim women have in Islam. I wonder if things have changed because you and I have been out of school, but same for me. Like I didn't learn about how our Prophet, peace be upon him, treated his wives until much later exactly. like, in my life. And that's kind of sad. It's like, how about we kind of embed this in, in at a young in the, age? Yeah, at a young age. So people know how to treat their spouses at a young age or how to what to look for in a healthy relationship. So we don't have to wait until it's too late. Yeah. Basically. Can we talk about like, like, does our generation know what it means to be in a healthy relationship? Do they generally know what a healthy relationship is no. these days? I mean, for me, like the biggest thing is, is like, let's say, you know, we're teaching our children. I think the biggest thing is uh, how I, what kind of partners I choose, because I will, of course, create a environment where they can always feel comfortable to talk to me. You know what I mean? I, I think that there is a difference between maybe like your, like how you guys grew up. I don't know, like how open you guys were with your parents but from what my, the gist of it a lot of people there's a disconnect from the parents to the children that they can't really talk talk to them that's just what I've been told that I obviously can't comment on that I can only comment on the environments I grew up in and my mom was very easy to talk to too much where I'm like you are in my business I don't want to talk to you you know what I mean it's like the mm. opposite where I'm like trying to get her out <laughs> of my business but for me as a mom I am 
absolutely creating an environment where they feel they can talk to me and I want to continue that. But as far as them choosing like a healthy, healthy relationship is that I think the biggest thing is what they see on how I choose and how I am in a relationship. It does make a huge deal, a difference as to if my kids grew up in seeing abuse and I continued in that relationship, they will either most likely repeat it or be in an unhealthy relationship growing up. The biggest disconnect is not having these conversations. It's just being young, then all of a sudden you're ready for marriage all out of nowhere. You're just ready for marriage. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know myself. I didn't even start college. I didn't, you know what I mean? So it's like, we have to have these conversations. I think obviously it's happening now because our generation went through whatever we went through. And now when we have our own kids and you already do have your own, mashallah, Lisa. So it's like, now you can actually have these conversations with your kids because you know how to, you know, prep them for the real world and stuff like that, especially when it comes to marriage, which, which is such a huge commitment i think our generation we weren't prepped for it really it's just it happened oh you have marriage marriage proposals? now all of you should, you're gonna have yeah. to know what, what a healthy relationship is you're not even like you never were allowed to talk about it because everything was haram right yeah. and then yeah. it was get married yeah, you know? get married live with a stranger i mean they're not always a stranger but it's like it's a strange life it's a strange situation it's not that uncommon to be like an arranged marriage obviously not a forest but arranged marriage you know just because you don't see or you don't experience it, it really does still happen to this day, like arranged marriage and stuff like that. And some women voluntarily choose arranged marriages. Again, maybe, yeah, which is amazing. Maybe that's what they want. But then some women, I feel like, are just like, feel like that's their last resort is an arranged marriage or they're not going to find anyone. And it's, it's just, it's, it's really, really hard. And I feel like when it comes to marriage, it's one huge commitment, but we forget to talk about all the smaller commitments that come within a marriage. And that's just like the hardest part is that are we prepped to be able to sit down with somebody and know how to agree to disagree or know how to get to a, a solution and stuff like that? Like, we don't have that. I know, like, is it Christians that when before they get married, they go to their church marriage and they actually counseling? have marriage classes and counseling? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I love right? how you're yeah. asking, you're like, this happen with yeah no that's such a great idea why don't we do that i have a friend i think she says that that would be amazing if i mean could it be offered if you went to your masjid and said hey me and my spouse future spouse would like to be you know counseled of course the the mosque is going to say yes a lot of pastors uh for christians they actually won't marry you until you go through like eight sessions of like premarital counseling so like a lot of pastors actually do do that and require it we should be doing the same thing because maybe uh you might find that you are not compatible and it's so much i think people are afraid to find out the truth that okay i thought i loved this person and then you find out that okay maybe it really isn't as much of a you know a fit as I thought, it's so much better to work out these issues and go your separate ways than going through the heartbreak of divorce. And that's okay to walk away. You know what I mean? But then it's like, or you can, you know, which hopefully would happen is that whatever issues you had, you can work them out and iron them out and go into a healthy marriage. I feel like we miss these important topics because we're just so excited about meeting somebody. It's it's a, the the good part of like you know you're in the good phase. You yeah. met somebody new. It's exciting. You're learning about each other. I think we get so scared then, to talk about the really like the nitty gritty. Yeah, like, but then when things. you have your first fight, it's like oh my god, this is foreign to me. I don't know how to handle the situation. I think that's why a lot of people leave marriages for those little reasons. Is because they have one fight and they're like okay, it has to be the end. Do you know what I mean? Like I've never experienced. I don't know how to handle the situation. No one's ever talked to me about how to have an argument with my husband that means 
we're having this argument. I'm crying. He's upset. Like that's, that's the end. On the flip side, some people, yeah, like you said, leave for smaller issues. Then there's the flip side of people who stay and it's huge issues. And they don't know that these are huge issues that you red flag on top of red flag, like that you should leave. Like, you know what I mean? You know, as far as the premarital and people get married, I also genuinely think that people lose, like they forget about what's important. I was literally talking to a friend today about marriage, uh, weddings. And they were like, do you want to have a wedding? And I was like, no, I'm like totally against them. Like I want a nikah and like feeding people and that's it. Everyone wants these like hundred thousand dollar weddings. And I honestly want to throw up with the thought of it. Cause I am like, people forget why they are there. You know, like they are so focused on the wedding and the celebrations and the like, you know, that aspect of it, they forget about what's actually important, that you are actually getting married and living with someone for the rest of your life. These are the things you should be focusing on. You're not even remembering why you're here, you know? But we're also setting up these marriages for just debt. You're already sitting now in $50,000 debt. And it's like, and more. you don't think that's going to put strain on your marriage? Like, do you not think and that that's going to make so you guys many, fight? so many people from getting married because they feel like they have to put out those $100,000 weddings. If I don't, then no one's going to want to get married well i don't know if you guys noticed but there's like literally 10 weddings a day now because of covid yeah. and everybody can have backyard weddings without like our community looking down on them like oh my god like your kid is getting married in a freaking backyard that's, that's literally what i want i want just same the very the people that are like very close to me in the masjid and a simple dress simple simple dress and that's it i want it to be about the marriage so yeah people forget their why they should be getting married all that money can be spent on actual marriage counseling yeah. classes and stuff like that. <laughs> I honestly, I would love the idea of having a marriage therapist. Like, I know some people are, would be so against that. Like, people look at that like, oh, okay, you're already saying this marriage is going to be horrible if you're already asking for therapy or a therapist. But I'm like, I think it's actually a good idea. I think it would be so awesome if we did that. People are probably going to be rolling their eyes and thinking we're yeah. crazy. No, but I agree. I, I think agree. that would be awesome. I don't know. I think it would help, like, talk through a lot of situations and a lot of things because I mean, it's it's hard. There's no tiebreaker. It's you and this person, and this person wants option A, and you want option B. Like, who's the tiebreaker? Do we even know how to get to that middle ground? I think that's a lot of the issues that happen. But I, I think this conversation was incredible because I feel like a lot of women, you know, post-divorce, they are finding it very difficult to find the right one. And I think we need to start out with, first, having a relationship with ourselves. Second, understanding what a healthy relationship contains. And thirdly, do not allow the bar to be, like, or, or have high standards. I, I think we live in a society that tells you stop being without picky. Perfection. Yeah, without perfection. Get to that point yeah. without realizing like, nobody's going to be perfect. I just want a good person, yeah. like a genuinely good person that has a good that heart. That you connect with. That you connect, of course, connection is key. And I want to see, I just want this person, when I see him, like, you know, interacting with other people, he's just, he's just a good a nice person, person, a yeah. nice person. Because it's the biggest turnoff when this person is just a shithead literally to everybody else around him. Like, it's just like. That's well, another, yeah. that's actually, I'm glad you said that. Because that's, when we're talking about red flags, that's actually a really, yeah. really big flag. If they're nice to you because they're trying to impress you, but they're really horrible to, like, everybody else. Like, that's a really big to watch on. Yeah, like, I think trust like, me, it's going to come your way. And, yeah. and even how yeah, they treat their mom, like you have to look at how people interact with other people. I think Naseeb is Naseeb. I truly hope, like, honestly, the best for you, Lisa, because you're so incredible. I'm not just saying this because we know you, but it's just like, like Michelle, like, it's crazy how 
this is where your life kind of took you to this path to be able to help so many other women and to just be vocal about this because like I said it's really hard to talk about these things because we're still in a community where you're like kind of shunned and like oh my gosh she's just that open about her divorce and she's just doesn't even care it's like you kind of like I don't know like I I just I want us to get to a point where we don't normalize abuse we don't normalize all this stuff but I want us to normalize these conversations about divorce and what how can we better serve the women in our community who have been divorced and are seeking marriage or they don't even have to be seeking marriage how are we helping these women ease back into society so I really, really want to thank you. Is there anything else that you want to mention, Lisa? Anything else that's... Uh, don't you have something that's upcoming, a campaign in October? Yes, I do, actually. I have... I'm working with Muslim Aid USA, and I'm so excited for this because this is the biggest campaign I've ever done. We're going to be working with all of the key leaders. Um, there's going to be a national khutbah on domestic violence on October 2nd. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We're going to be, inshallah, raising money for a safe space in New York City. It's uh, Pillars of Peace. Khalid Latif is on the board for that organization. We are also raising money for gender-based violence victims in Somalia to provide them legal services, counseling, to also try to prevent uh, them getting in, you know, education on looking for signs of abuse and to not get into abusive relationships. So it's going to be a part of advocacy and speaking out and educating people within our community on domestic violence and also actually raising funds for victims of domestic violence. So alhamdulillah, there's like a lot of key players from like Khalid Latif to Yasmin Mujahid, uh, Sheikh Omar Salaman is going to be doing a video. Uh, there's like several more. So it's like, and then the national khutbah that uh, we're going to be giving them key points on uh, talking points that we don't tell women to stay patient and put up with abuse. You know, we actually make it a conversation where they know that do not put up with abuse. Um, so I'm really excited for this because I'm hoping, inshallah, can create a global conversation. I also have a video of imams of 15 different countries of imams speaking out against domestic violence from 15 different countries. Honestly, I'm just like overwhelmed with hearing that. It really gives me chills because I don't get emotional, but this is amazing to to be able to get to this point where you can have a national khutbah about domestic violence because so many women are suffering in silence that nobody knows about. They don't have the support to ever even escape or leave their their abusers. This is a big deal. Like when we said community leaders and imams like stepping up and talking about this is exactly what we wanted for us to be able to do this because, you know, we always think about us in Western society. Yeah, what about Somalia? What about other countries? This is incredible. This is exactly what we needed honestly looking forward to it are you guys obviously running like a fundraiser too or is yes. it just yeah, yeah. so the, the fundraiser is going to support the safe space in new york city which is called he was on the board for pillars of peace uh so it's going to be directly going to survivors of domestic violence i never know if i should say victim or survivors survivors if they left but it's going to be assisting assisting those women and then again the fundraiser will go to somalia as well it's all sponsored through muslim aid usa so it's a great nonprofit organization and we'll be sure to share that link so anyone who wants to donate and help out will be able to do so i just really hope everybody donates honestly yeah. even if, a, if it's a dollar like you've been campaigning for so long lisa like a dollar really makes a difference it really really does imagine like a hundred people giving a dollar is a hundred dollars or a thousand people giving a dollar is a thousand dollars like i i can't stress enough like if you come across a fundraiser look at that as a blessing look at that as a as a potential for a good deed that allah sent your way so don't skip these campaigns don't skip these fundraisers donate what you can like i said even just sharing is an act of charity 
charity. Charity isn't just sometimes always like money wise. Again, I know we're going through a pandemic. I know it's hard. Some people don't have the means, but just even sharing, it might get it in front of the right person who might be like, I want to match all these donations who can donate. So this is a shelter for women who are seeking, seeking shelter, seeking aid, seeking resources. Just be grateful that you're not in that situation. And sometimes I feel like Allah has like people in certain situations and you in a certain situation. And he wants people like you who are not in that situation to be able to help somebody else. So just, just help as much as you can. I think it's really important. So like we said, we'll definitely share that link and inshallah, you guys meet your goal. Inshallah, you surpass your goal. Inshallah. And inshallah. looking forward to this national khutbah because I think it's really, really important. It's definitely going to make some waves and we definitely want <laughs> inshallah, that. Sure. I hope inshallah. So. Not, of course, not every masjid is going to be participating, but as many as we can get. But if you guys are, I don't know when this is being aired, but it's going to be on October 2nd and then we'll be sharing Kala the Chief's khutbah on Muslim Aid. So for those that want to listen. That's incredible. Okay. And do you need anybody to like even want to talk to their own personal messages and to see if they would like yes. have this kind of Anybody, everybody, yeah. Can Please let me know. Yeah, because I feel like our message has yeah. been, you know, they're yeah. definitely doing their best. And I honestly commend like the Mosque Foundation and stuff like that. I don't want to speak on their behalf, but it would be nice to just like talk to your local message and see what they can do. Thank you so much, Lisa. We love you so much. Great honestly, I love bringing you back. I'd rather just talk about <laughs> anything and everything with her. You're just incredible <laughs> in, you so in general. Much. Thank you. Take care, love. Thanks for having me. You know, another thing that I wanted to talk about that I don't know if we've talked about before, but, you know, a lot of women that consult with us and, you know, talk about their certain situations in regards to divorce. The one common factor I feel is like, you know, these are women that have not chosen divorce yet, but they are having a lot of marital issues and they don't know if divorce is the right option. Nobody talks about that moment where you are in limbo, where some people truly do love their spouse. They truly care for their spouse. Their spouse is not a horrible human being, but there's so many other external factors that are affecting their marriage. So they don't know if divorce is the right option. Then there are also other women that their spouse is not somebody that, you know, they're still confused. Like they thought they loved this person, but this is a person that's harming them and they don't know if they should get a divorce. It's that point where, you know, for the first time you're making a decision on your own and it's probably one of the hardest decisions that you can make in life. And I think if it's something like, you know, obviously domestic violence or anything related to that, that's put aside. But any other issues that you're having in your marriage, I don't think that decision to get a divorce can be made by anyone else but you. You're in charge of that decision and it has to come from you. It can't come from outside sources. It can't come from friends or family or whatever. It has to be a choice that you are comfortable making and happy making. Oh my God, you look literally hit it right on the head because that's the one thing that I always tell them because obviously out of the, us two, I'm the one that went, went through the divorce. So I'm the one that usually can, like, you know, talks to these women and, and let them know like what I went through, the choices and the steps that I took. But I told them like at the end of the day, who am I to you? You have to really, really sit down take a breather assess your whole entire situation and weigh the pros and cons and and see like is this marriage worth saving or is divorce a better option for me you have because at the end of the day nobody knows exactly the details of everything that you've gone through even no, what i've gone yeah. through nobody knows exact details so it's like that's why it is your decision but it's it's definitely a hard decision so i i think the most important thing is having a support group again 
don't always allow your decisions to be based upon what people tell you to what to do but it's nice to have a support group that are there for you that can hear you out because sometimes venting really really can help you out because your thoughts are now finally outside of your head and now you're really thinking about what what you've gone through so it's like now you're actually really talking about it and it's just such a different experience than just having it in your head and just going through everything that you've gone through in the past few months with whoever you, you whoever your spouse is oh my god the best i think one of the best medicines when you're going through our time is just having a friend or a family member or someone that you can really trust having them just listen like i don't like you want... say they're, they're your soundboard basically exactly yeah i don't need i don't need your advice right now i just need a shoulder to cry on and an ear for me to talk and listen you know what i mean i don't need anything else but that and a lot of times after i can vent my mind is clear and i can make the choice i think that i need to make and you know what our community we're trying to get used to this or get comfortable with this idea but seek professional help while you're in a marriage that's probably failing or you know you're having hardships and seek professional help post-divorce and I think you should do it right away I really do because I think a lot of times we are just so happy that we escaped the situation and we feel like we're finally free and we can breathe but you know five years down the road all these things start to surface up again everything starts to come to the surface everything starts to just kind of like boil over once again and you're like wondering like what the heck is going on with me why do I feel the way that I feel and it's because there's a lot of things that you didn't deal with. You escaped from it, but you didn't actually deal with it. It's like, I mean, a science project when you do, like when you build a, uh, what is it? A volcano. <laughs> what, you're like, I don't know, you're doing a triangle. I'm like, wait, what is that? <laughs> a volcano and all that pressure is building up yes. and you think it's below the surface. And then finally it erupts. Don't allow your feelings to erupt the same way. The volcano does yes exactly thanks for that science okay <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy i really hope this episode helped you guys out of course when we have lisa vogel she's incredible so much fun with she's her. such an open book and i love that about her because i mean i feel like the more open we are the more relatable our stories can be and the more helpful they are you know because sometimes yes it's hard to talk about certain details of what we've gone through it's it's because again we think we're the only ones that have gone through what we've gone through so and we're not ever we're not we're not everybody has their own experiences and their own pain but somehow some way we can find that thread of comparison between all of our hardships so i really hope these conversations really help you guys out um and yeah thank you guys so much for all of your love and your feedback as always i really genuinely wish like there is a way that we can all just meet together post-covid post-covid yes. post-covid i don't know how many times group to say that yeah just one nice group hug but we love you guys thank you so much see you next week bye, bye.